Oh my goodness, everyone. Welcome back to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, the only podcast in the entire solar system where Mark and Sarah talk about schlongs. Nope, nope, <laughs> that is not this podcast. And in fact, Mom, if you're listening, it doesn't exist. I promise, pinky swear. Wink, what? Don't look for that podcast, y'all. Anyway, we talk about songs here, and I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship. With me, as always, is Sarah D. Bunting. Hello. I smell like I sound. Just don't play <laughs> What? And we're going to be continuing our odyssey of listener requests this week. Sarah, why don't you give the listeners a clue as to what we'll be discussing? Um, I'll do more than that. I'll just tell them. Uh, today's Great. request comes from Josephine, who asked us to discuss Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf. Uh, this was not intentional for us to do too, like early to mid 80s new wave songs back to back but uh i don't hate it i'm not angry about it um but i'm for might... those of you who don't know at home we we have our sort of randomizer that helps us decide which requests we'll be doing next and this is what the randomizer chose yes the the randomizer he or she is wise uh beyond its beyond its knowing um so this is from the rio album and weirdly although i don't dislike this track I think it might be my least favorite or the one that I think is the weakest on the album. But before we get into that and other larger discussions, let's listen to a clip. Yes. Okay, so I tried to get the... It's hard because they fade out the most, like, animalistic, uncomfortable, not appropriate for 8 p.m., like, moaning and orgasm <laughs> It is starting to fade out. But can, can I just tell you how uncomfortable it was to be in a carpool when this song was popular? I was in, I'm going to say, fourth grade, fifth grade, and... It, you had like basically you had no ch- other entertainment but the radio in right. carpool in the morning and if you were listening to whatever the hot hits Z100 Power 95 whatever it was and this song came on it was like this is a good song but i i why can't they just play save a prayer I-, I like that song way better and there isn't all this weird like sexy body paint narrative <laughs> happening and like even worse than if your mom was driving the carpool as if it was mrs canner's day and ah, and then you're just in the back like cringing like trying to sink down below rearview mirror level oh very very strong sense memory of being in their station wagon and just wanting to leap out while it was moving when this song came on the radio okay um, before we take another step i have to say i have a similar story and i must tell it to you now please do flash forward to 1991 when oh. I was being driven home with my friend Thomas by his mother, and oh, his no. mother was really uptight about him not listening to provocative music. And we convinced her to turn on 97 Kicks, which was the 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 pop music radio station. And we were like, no, it's fine. It's just the radio. They won't have anything on there. Oh, the no. first fucking song that comes on is Cream 
by Prince. And it just starts with him going, ah, ah. And then he's like, cream, get on top. Needless to say, we did not get to listen to the end of that song or listen to any more 97 Kicks in her car ever again. Carry on. And that kid is still grounded. Yeah, seriously. Oh, God, that's amazing. Um, This is a perfect, this is such an interesting song to talk about on a, you know, totally audio format podcast like this, because I think that so much of this song's, like, staying power for me derived from the video. Yeah. And deri- and you could say that actually from a lot of bands. Um, Mad World, the book that I referred to in the last episode, does talk a lot in the uh, intro portion about how everyone sort of, like American labels thought that MTV was sort of bullshit and like none of the big American artists really had videos ready to go at the jump. So they were relying a lot on, you know, the buggles, obviously, and uh, trying to fill 24 hours of airspace. And Duran Duran was like, okay, we're just going to get a bunch of models and sit on a boat. And it's everybody's named Taylor and nobody's related to each other. And it's going to be awesome. Uh, but this, like, if someone said to me, like, name, like, name the top 10 videos that you remember from the 80s and like being a kid and watching it clandestinely because my mother was super against MTV. Uh, I think eight of them would be Duran Duran videos like this, the Reflex, Rio, and this album. This album is still so good to me. Like some of it is very dated, but I think a lot of it is really good. I like the journey that it goes on. But this particular song is like, eh, it's okay. Like, I don't hate it. I'm not going to change away from it. But, like, it does start to fade out really soon. It's actually not that long. There's not a whole lot going on. It's just, like, nonsense, sexy-sounding phrases that when you pick it apart, it's like, how exactly do you sound that that would have a smell? Well, and may I also say, straddle the line in discord and rhyme i'm on the hunt i'm after you mouth is alive with juices like wine and i'm hungry like the wolf that's kind of sexy but also really weird and like maybe drug induced i don't know yeah i just i think this is my least favorite track on this album uh hold back the rain is kind of not great but you could see what they were sort of trying to do and like being ambitious and stuff like that. And this, this track sounds a little cheap to me, actually, like production wise, comparatively, it sounds a little thin. Um, I don't know. Like the video is amusing still, I guess, but yeah, I don't, it's interesting because I, I don't think that they necessarily set out to be shocking and I could be remembering this incorrectly, but I do feel like this was pointed to as proof of, like, the depravity of, like, Reagan-era pop videos and how they were a deleterious influence on whatever. That it just is, like, a lot of writhing, I guess? But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you listen to a lot of Duran Duran in your daily life well here we go again i should with... say i am not a durani but 
I was the one person outside of their immediate families who bought that like collection of covers that they did oh yes thank you i think it was called maybe no yeah. or something yeah they had that version of white lines on there right which is a hot track and it really I will, is i will go to the barricades for their version of watching the detectives because that is that is some sexy i also bought notorious i may have a problem anyway continue well, okay, again, as with Yaz, I was too young at the time that this song was originally a hit to really be aware of it, because I don't, I think it was a hit in the States in 83. It came, that's right, it came out in late 82, but then was a hit in 83. It was their first hit song in the United States. It reached number three on the chart, actually higher than Rio, which peaked at number 14, and I think that Rio is a better song, but that's neither here nor there. Mm. But unlike Yaz, the video for Hungry Like the Wolf stuck around and Duran Duran stuck around and had hits all the way up into the mid 90s so I was incredibly aware of them I was incredibly aware of this video and I've got to say I think the lyrics of this song are crazy but I love it I love this song there's just something so sexy about it to me and I think it's because at the time I was feeling some things in my stirring uh, pre-adolescent body for the boys of Duran Duran uh-huh. because they were part of that kind of magical in retrospect group of British male artists who would be sexy in a way that we often in America, I think, would consider to be feminine. In the fact that, for instance, in the Hungry Like the Wolf video, they're all sweaty and slicked up and taking their shirts off and like they're putting themselves forward as sexual objects as well as the women in the videos so for a young nascent gay fellow like myself and for my husband by the way who had such a huge crush on simon lebon at this oh time my God, and he, me too he like, will tell one, you about who it who's the one everyone else liked john Maybe one of the tailors. I feel tailors. like he was the like the very very pretty, super sharp cheekbones one who was up in everyone else's locker. But I was Team Simon from the get, absolutely. So I think cut. that for me, I, I it's like I have such a long history of feeling like this song was a little forbidden and therefore loving it, and I still love it because of that. We're going to give Simon Laban a chance to towel off his sweaty and tastefully exposed chest while we talk about this week's birthday chart reading. And for those of you who don't know, that is what happens when I take a song that was number one on the day that someone was born and then extrapolate their destiny from it based on pop charts and other arcana. And importantly, it's a destiny of their success because obviously this is the song that was number one on the day they were born, and that is an indication of the ways that they will succeed in their future. This week's chart reading goes out to Nikki, who was born on November 29th, 1980. And the song that was number one on the day Nikki was born was Kenny Rogers' Lady. Let's take a moment to hear that ditty. You have gone and made me such a fool.
I hope you're enjoying those smooth, sultry sounds. And there are a couple of things that we need to really dig into with this song. One, the fact that it is the collaboration of Kenny Rogers and songwriter-producer Lionel Richie. So, Lionel Richie had, at this point, not had any solo hits yet. He would not have his first solo hit until 81 with Endless Love, so he was only known as a member of the Commodores. And for him to achieve his first number one in a solo capacity as the writer and producer of a country song is huge and crazy, because in the history of country music, there are not that many black artists who have had any kind of success at all, songwriters, performers, whatever. And in fact, Lionel Richie would go on to also reach the top 10 on the country charts with a song of his own that he recorded in league with the band Alabama. So this opened up all sorts of doors for him. It's important to remember, too, that this was Kenny Rogers' first number one on the pop charts. He had previously been in a rock band called The First Edition with songs like Just Dropped In to See What Condition My Condition Was In, and he'd had lots of number one hits on the country chart, but this was his first number one on the pop chart, and he also would reach number one later with Dolly Parton with Islands in the Stream, but again, this is what did it first. And the success of this collaboration was so massive that... This song reached the R&B charts, the adult contemporary charts, the country charts, and the pop charts, and that is a rare feat indeed. In the days of Elvis, when the lines of genre were a little bit blurrier, more people would hit all four charts with regularity, but by 1980, it was incredibly rare, and Kenny Rogers doing it is insane. You can sort of understand why someone like um, George Michael could do it, because he did, but this type of music. Oh, I'm sorry, he actually never hit the country chart. So really, Kenny Rogers is one of the rare cross-market four-quadrant hit makers. And Nikki, what I think this means for you is twofold. And remember that this applies to your professional or your personal life. It's up to you, either one, to discern which most applies. You are either the Kenny or the Lionel in a situation in your life, meaning you are either the one who is going to be at the front of a situation, and because of the amazing support behind you, you're going to be able to break through a lot of boundaries. So maybe you are someone who should be looking out for the people who are supporting you, or maybe you are the Lionel in a situation, and your success is going to come from your ability to be in more of a position of support, but to do it in such a radical way that you are able to propel yourself and those that you support to a brand new type of success. And that doesn't mean that it's a when beneath my wing situation where you're always in the shadow. I think it just means, are you in any given moment putting your energies into leading the pack or into being the foundation upon which the pack has the strength to stand. And I think that either role is incredibly important, and it's possible, too, that you'll be fluctuating between the two. But I think that clearly there's something about collaboration and collaborating in ways that seem perhaps alien or terrifying, because that seems to be a great indicator of where your success will come from. Well, Nikki, I hope that this reading has some sort of resonance for you. And everyone else, if you would like to purchase a reading for yourself or for a loved one, all you have to do is email us at talksongs at gmail.com. And now, back to Duran Duran. But Sarah, okay, now that we've had that little dip into uh, birthday 
predictions land, I do want to bring up one other thing and see if what you think of this. While Duran Duran has often been derided, I would say, as being an MTV band, quote-unquote, I think that now it's easier to look back and see that they were actually musically rather accomplished, and it wasn't just the videos. Even though that might have been where they got a lot of their initial attention, I think their songs, qua songs, actually hold up. Thoughts? Um, I agree. I still, like, Rio has been on various, you know iPod, Walkman, disc changer rotations forever since the album came out. I've owned it in every possible medium. When we go to like Base of the Neck, <laughs> Bioports, that'll it'll be right on there after Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits. Um, yeah, I agree. And I, I am never going to clock any band, regardless of their like relative musicianship, for being savvy about how to use MTV. Right. Because well, I God, think that that no. was absolutely, I mean, I think that was a huge deal. And that this sort of second British invasion was almost entirely down to MTV. And that, that there was like another layer of uh, creativity on top of the, you know, writing the song, um, you know the lyrics of the song how you know the tempo of the song and all the decisions that go into it and then sort of translating that to the visual medium or not like there are some rem videos where it's like we're you know we're putting stipe in a pair of wings we're finding a house that's falling down and we're just going to point the camera at it and see what happens if someone like throws some milk in the air in slow-mo um but duran duran absolutely embraced that opportunity, and I think part of what lets some of their songs hold up, even if they're not the most, like, Save a Prayer, which I still love, is the most, like, such melodrama, like, such classic 80s, like, wah, 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 wah. I mean, get, everybody calm down. But I never got the feeling that they were taking themselves all that seriously. Right. That I think they would be the first to look at the... um like Hungry Like the Wolf video, the Rio video, the Reflex video, and be like, oh my god. like, <laughs> Or Wild Boys? Hello. Yes, girls on film. Like, they spend, in Mad World, they spend like two pages laughing at the fact that girls on film, they're like, yeah, what the fuck did we know? We were 20 years old. They brought a bunch of models, and then they were like acting like prats because they were nervous because it was a bunch of models right and they're like dude i mean i don't know i just there's something about them that's very charming because i felt like at the same time that they were quote unquote made by mtv or defined by their videos they were also a bunch of hard-working guys who more or less continued to get along despite some personnel changes that they weren't they still go out and tour um they're sort of like fuck yeah i was wearing a ladies pirate shirt well, yeah, Fuck and you. I think that goes that goes back to why I found them so alluring in my, because they they're, they're so comfortable with themselves. They're not posturing. They're not doing that sort of obnoxious swagger of a of a heavy metal musician. They're just like, yeah, we're dudes. We like to get laid. I'm gonna take my shirt off. Let's I look dance. At an eyeliner. Deal with you it. You should try some. Yeah, it and then there is also that like Matt Damony 
way about them where they're like they take their work very seriously and they're there to do a job and their job is to be like the most quintessentially 80s thing that ever 80s not that they knew it at the time but they were they were doing it and then but i don't think if you like i don't know i feel like if you sort of sang lyrics to simon Le Bon when he's trying to just eat some fish and chips that he'd roll with it i don't know i just it's let a me feeling i get you've you've said something that has made me make what i i would now like to make a declaration oh okay One of the reasons that they're so great now is that we can look back and see, like you said, that they don't take themselves seriously, but they don't mind that they have a job to do and that job is being a pop star. And you compare that to all of the grunge artists of the 90s who seemed to hate from the beginning what they were doing, and that stance that bled out into hip-hop and bled out into house music and techno music where you had to indicate your hatred for the very thing you were currently doing as though entertaining folks is a problem it's so refreshing to be reminded that duran duran and of their ilk were like you know what y'all we're here to put on a show for you let me entertain you girls on film it's like yes thank you for making it uncomplicated like i don't have to have seven different levels of irony to cut through to just enjoy myself listening to a Duran Duran song or watching a Duran Duran video, and that is not something to be taken lightly. Well, I agree with you absolutely. I second your declaration. Thank and you. This is the one of the things, or maybe the only thing that I like about Tommy Lee is that he's like, <laughs> yeah. "I am a rock star. This is the job, motherfuckers." Like the, you know, narcotics abuses, the violence, not okay obviously, but that he was never apologetic about enjoying being a rock star. I always appreciated that. Like, you should be apologetic about the, you know, felonies committed surrounding that, of course. But he never apologized for enjoying it. And we do talk a lot on this show about authenticity and how much it can affect our enjoyment of or relating to a song. But you're so right that, like, I don't, th- I think that a lot of grunge artists equated authenticity with misery and with, like, this isn't genuine and, like, there's an, it's not felt if right. the feeling isn't pain, if the feeling isn't negative right. in some way. And while I think that Duran Duran maybe sometimes could struggle with more like serious um like not subject matter because whatever is their subject matter they're usually just singing about like literal curtains blowing in the literal wind (laughs) but a song like save a prayer can seem a little like schmaltzy because maybe it's not quite lived in enough experientially from a bunch of 20 year olds who are literally doing lines of coke off an extremely firm buttock of some kind immediately before recording but there's not that there's not that sense that like in order to you know like they're not they're not blues musicians right well, not like, you know, you know I... all life is pain and what's the point? It's like, okay, we have a Fiona Apple. They're just out there to have a good time and wear every ruffle in 
right england and i respect that i don't i don't think it's necessary for everyone to like well this is also we're also now touching suffer. on one of the reasons that abba is such a great band and like no no disrespect obviously and no lack of love to great bands that have trouble negotiating their relationship to fame or the machine or whatever obviously you can do that and create wonderful music that we both want to listen to but one of the particular joys of duran duran is that that's not how they do and i feel that i must add sarah that even though it came out in the 90s one of the greatest duran duran songs is ordinary world i don't think i even remember that one oh sarah okay so this is this came out when i was 14 it was in their comeback album they had an album that's known mostly as the wedding album although it's really self-titled they had two fantastic top 10 hits off of uh, it ordinary is that the album with she's come undone on it yeah come undone and ordinary world are the two are the two hit songs from that album and ordinary come come undone is also great but ordinary world is so great and i bought the singles of both and then i ordered the whole cassette tape from columbia house boom Uh as you do so with that i say thanks durannies and duran duran and uh yeah, I'm going to have to go re-listen to a couple of Simon LeBond's hits. Or, dare I even say, track down the side projects they were in, like Arcadia and The Power Station. And we'll just let that thought linger, and we won't wander too long down those side roads. Otherwise, we might be here all day. Yeah, The Power Station in particular is going to linger with you, because super catchy, super catchy songs! Yes, yeah, some say, like it high. I, I, oh my god... Here's what's not hot is uh, the Duran Duran take on 911 is a joke. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, okay. We encourage our listeners to uh, pay to download music legally and support the artists that we discuss on the show. I can't tell anyone to spend any money on that ever. But here's the thing. And the third and unsuccessful single from the wedding album is called Too Much Information. And it starts with the lines, destroyed by MTV, I hate to bite the hand that feeds me. There's so much information. I think that song, which is sort of what we were just talking about, they didn't do, they do in that song. And the attempt to cover 911 as a joke, it's like Duran Duran briefly got seduced by the belief that they too had to take an outsider stance to stardom in order to gain cred. But then thank God they got over it because those moments were not good and they learned. And then they released Reach Up for the Sunrise uh, in the early 2000s, which is just such a wonderful song. So they took a brief side journey into self-seriousness, but then they got back, back, back on the right road. Instead of being no, no, notorious for shitty <laughs> they shouldn't be they like in the sort of grand you know <laughs> scales of like musical justice i feel like they are they're winners they have definitely improved the world for me and sarah as always speaking with you inspires my laughter reflex and you make me feel like <laughs> a wild boy who's out here just talking about all this and when you say is there something i should know i say yes it's that mastus is good (laughs) that sort of died at the end but you know what i'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs) always
Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Today's theme song was written by David Gregory Byrne, and you can dig more of his chili at davidgregoryburn.com. If you'd like to place an ad, request a song, or arrange for Mark, me, to read your pop chart horoscope, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at talksongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or hit up our Facebook page at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. And if you like the podcast, let us know. Leave us a positive review on iTunes or the podcast download interface of your choosing. And please download the music you hear legally. Yes. So until next time, this is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this. And this. Is Mark and is Sarah. Is Mark and Sarah. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. <laughs> <laughs> this I can take. Dragging the lake She's watching the detectives Oh, he's so cute She's watching the detectives Oh, and they shoot Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.